Praise the Lord. Well, are y'all glad to be in church this morning? I'm glad everybody's out there watching too, with people all over the world today are watching and viewing this message, and, and I'm glad we all get to be together somehow. Amen? So anyway, I want you to get your Bibles out this morning, and I, I don't know, throw them open to uh, Luke chapter 21, and then we'll get there in a minute. But you know, I want to I wanna just encourage y'all a little bit this morning. Um, boy, we live in some crazy times, don't we? Seems to be, you think, it's, you think it's as crazy as it can get, then it gets crazier. And so, um, I want to talk to you this morning about what I'm, I'm titled the message, Coming Events. And uh, I have a little bit of hesitation in this message because I I'm kind of feel like the Holy Ghost is pushing me to do it. And uh, 34 years I've been preaching, uh, somewhere or another, the youth or somebody I've been preaching, and... Uh, I've never actually preached what I'm going to preach this morning. And the reason why is because I've never preached it on events or things coming or anything like that, because I kind of always figure it's going to happen no matter what. It's my job as a preacher to get your hearts prepared, to get you stirred up, to get you ready to meet Jesus when Jesus shows up. And that's the most important point. And whenever he does show up is whenever he shows up. Okay. And uh, I'm still kind of hold to that. That's my job in life is to stir y'all to get your hearts Open up the door to your hearts and get Jesus in there and get you flowing and help you out and that kind of stuff. But anyway, so, um, but with everything going on in the world right now, and I see so many things taking place, and, and you have to think back in history, church. Listen, if you were living during World War II and you were seeing all the things going on and you were seeing Hitler and the Nazi forces going through Germany and you were seeing Jews taken out and being, uh, going to concentration camps and being extinguished and killed and all these horrible things going on, it would be real easy as a pastor to step up and say, the world is coming to an end. Look, the signs are showing. The Jews are being persecuted. There is trying to be a one world order. Hitler's trying to take over the world. You, would, you, you could put it into scripture real easy. And I'm sure that took place. All right. And I'm sure they preached after it. And then time went by. Nothing happened. And so over in just, in just my lifespan of serving the Lord, there's been at least four major ministries come up and predict, you know, the end of the world or Jesus coming back or the rapture of the church or something. And then, you know, they were gone. I was laughing this morning. I said, if I got like, because of computers now, and I could send out a, a, a computerized, whatever, email, text, whatever, every day and say, Jesus is coming back today. Be ready. And then it went out the next day. Eventually, I'd be right. By simple process of elimination, one day you would read it and say, Jesus is coming back today, and boom, it happened. Because it's going to happen. Events are going to take place on the earth. Now, you got to understand something. Let me set the stage for this. you got to understand something. God is not worried about who our president is. We're worried about it, but God is not. God's not. God's not like, like there's a wheel of time going by and God's trying to get it, trying to get everything lined up and, oh, maybe I can make it. You no, know, he's like trying to throw the ball through the hoop and he's like, oh, oh, oh Jesus, I missed it. No, so maybe we'll get it next time. That's not taking place. That's not happening. God is not saying, man, we thought, we thought we had it all pulled off and then elections didn't go right. I guess we'll have to wait again. You got to understand something. God is the one in charge. Everybody say God's in charge. 
God's going to work his perfect will on the face of this earth at his timings when they're the perfect timings. Man plays into this into a little bit, but not is going to stop God. Hello? Okay. So throughout time, you can go back in history and you can read the Bible and you can see that God had certain dispensations, and they're called dispensations because he dispenses something. It's the easiest way I can explain it. God dispensed something. Uh, an example that you would, you'd know of, uh, Genesis chapter 12, when God called Abram to come out and said, I want you to go out and, 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 and to the land that I called you to, and you go out and I'm going to bless you, and all those that bless you will bless them, and those that will curse you, and I'm going to make a mighty nation of you. That that changed the age of what was going on. Before then, God wasn't dealing with man in the same respect. And then the dispensation, what they call the dispensation of promise, happened. And all of a sudden, God, through the promise he gave Abraham, was creating the Jewish nation. You follow me? God did it. It was his timing, right? Another one, the dispensation of the law. Moses, when Moses comes up and, and he's a baby and he's in the little the little ark, and he's floating down the river. God was about to bring something about when Moses went to the burning bush. Boom, he brought in the age of the dispensation of the law. God did it. It wasn't because, oh, I don't know, today's a good day, let's do it now. No, God in his planning had it all lined out. The next big one is the dispensation of the age of grace in which we now live. 2,000 years ago when Jesus came onto the face of the earth, there was God was dispensing grace to people. There was a change. It no longer was the dispensation of the law. It now became the dispensation of grace. Are y'all with me? You follow what I'm saying here? God made those times. But in the Old Testament, he prophesied that those times are going to happen. Prophesied Jesus was coming. Prophesied he was going to be born of a virgin. Prophesied he was going to be born in Nazareth. Prophesied he was going to go to Egypt. Prophesied. All this was prophesied by the Old Testament prophets. But not everybody put it together. And so what we have today is we have a lot of people. It's always been this way. It's not just like today, but it's always been this way. That there's a lot of scholars, people that try to be scholarly or are scholarly or smart or intellectual or studied or whatever, that go into the scriptures and then they try to take the prophecies of the Old Testament and then they try to see how it's going and then they spend all their time trying to put it into these events that are going to take place and what's going to happen and they come up with sometimes good things and sometimes crazy things. Hello? I mean, I was, I, I knew reputable men that, that I, I respected in the ministry that they had great teachings. And then all of a sudden they said, Jesus is coming back in 1988. And then it was 2000 and nothing happened. So it's like, there's something intriguing to certain types of individuals that want to go dig into the Old Testament and pull out scriptures and get into the book of Revelation to get into these mystical things that they want to pull up so that then they can, I don't know, I don't know if it's so that they can look smart or whatever, but I never have tried to do that because I, there ain't no way I'm going to pull off looking smart. I'm a preacher. I'm going to provoke you to be righteous and be holy and, and serve Jesus and thing, follow the things of God. That's what I want to, that, that, that's what God has called me to do, okay? So I leave the, the you know, the, 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 the high-minded things over here and let them deal with it. And then I look at it and read it. And so 
I'm very cautious in life. I don't, I don't follow people. I don't look at other, uh, you know, I don't sit around looking at hundreds of YouTube videos and trying to do it because I don't want to be influenced and I don't want to get over and, and get stirred up on something else. I want to follow the Holy Ghost. I spend my time in prayer saying, Holy Ghost, show me. Well, about four months ago, when the COVID virus, or more than that now since it's been longer, but when the COVID virus first hit, I started praying, Lord, what's going on? This is strange to me. This is, this is odd. And uh, I'm like, this is not affecting just us. It's affecting the world. And all of a sudden, wow, the world is all kind of coming under the same mandates and same laws. And everybody's running to their houses and putting on a mask and all these things. The same thing that's going on in the United States is going on in, you know, Ireland is going on in Wales is going on in Germany is going on in Russia is going on in China is going on in Africa is going on. And I'm like, this is, this is strange. Because you realize that even in World War II going on and all the things going on, everybody was, you know, was affected to a degree. But, but in Argentina, they were dancing because they weren't affected so much by the war. So, but COVID was affecting everybody. And all of a sudden, then I begin to see the doors of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ being shut down. And then I begin to hear people hearing, saying words that they were, uh, you know, not necessary, unessential. And I began to think, wait a minute, whoa, 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 you know, we're talking about people here now are claiming that the church is not an essential, essential to our, 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 our society. In other words, the keeper of what should be the moral value and the moral clock, the moral compass is being said, we don't really need you. And so I'm like, okay, if you don't need us, then who's setting morality? Forget Christianity, who's setting morality, all right? And they begin to say, you're not essential. And so now we see, you know, things going on again. We see, you know, all this taking place. And so I began to pray. And I just said, Lord, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And, and so I would be drawn to, over to certain areas of the scriptures and read them. And I'd like, what? I don't understand. I don't understand what you're talking about. And so I've been months just like saying, Lord, I'll be honest with you. I don't know where you're coming from. So my prayer time is, Lord, I love you. I praise you. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't get it. And so then the other day, someone sent a video to me. And actually, it was, I blame it on, it was Nick and Jody sent me a video. So if anybody's got any complaints about me this morning, you can take them and say, why did you get pastor off? But it was a, the video they sent me was on a, a pastor in California standing to keep his church open. And so I was watching the video and I just want to see what they were going through and but he had a guest on, and he was an Israeli uh, 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 man who was a minister. His name is Amir, I, I don't know that I'm pronouncing him right, Shafarti, I think is the way he says it. And, uh, and, and, I just, and this guy was talking, and I was listening to him, and I was like, huh. I said, that guy really bears witness in my spirit. That, there's something, I feel something in here that's kind of, you know, like, wow, not I mean, he, you know, he was a, a cool kind of guy, but I'm saying it wasn't his flamboyant preaching. It wasn't his flamboyant speech. It was that there was something connecting. So I began to research this guy and find out who he was and what was going on and began to look at some of his stuff. And I began to look that he had a lot of uh, stuff on the end times and, and things that were going on. There. So he is Israeli. He was born in Israel. And, and so his take on some of the scriptures began to jump out to me because I'm like, oh, I was looking at that wrong. Have y'all ever thought about this? Jesus was a Jew. He was not an American. He wasn't from Texas. 
I mean, we wish he would have been, but he wouldn't, okay? So you just think about our country way of life around here, okay? I'll never forget one time I had uh, Pastor Wynn Goss with me, and we were over, went over to Lakey, and he was, we were looking at something, and I, I don't remember, I think it was Lonnie uh, Davenport was in there, and he'd just gone elk hunt, and so he and I were having the conversation. I said, hey, did you get a good bull? And he said, he said yeah, it's a good bull, you know? I said, what it scored? And he said, I think it was going to be, you know, like in the 360s. And I said, really? I said, man, that's an awesome. And he said, yeah. And so we talked a little bit more like this, and we get out to the car, and Wynn starts laughing. He just laughs, and he's laughs, and he laughs, and laughs, and I said, what are you laughing about? And he says, I have no idea what y'all are talking about. What are you talking about? Buck and score and three, what does this mean? It was just, you know, it's just foreign to me. And we were just having a casual conversation. I, we understood it. You know, you would understand it if you, you know, around in that world. But when you're not in that world, it doesn't make any sense to you. So then when we're going back into thousands of years of Jewish history, trying to understand it, and trying to figure out the prophecies of, Zach, uh, uh, of Zechariah and, 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 and Haggai and Malachi, and you're trying to figure these things out, and they're talking about the fig trees and the olive branches and this and that and the other, and you try to put it all into perspective. If you do it with an American mind, you're going to get confused. And whenever you're looking at the Old Testament, and you always have to remember that in, in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are certain passages of Scripture that only affect the Jewish nation. You can't apply them to yourself as the church. Remember, they're the root. And we're the branch. Hello? So what I'm saying to you is rightly dividing the word of truth. Sometimes, you know, I, I, that's why I'm saying I don't like to get over because I get over here and you can get off. All right? But I want to share some things with you this morning about coming events. All right? What gets me is that when you, when you look at the Bible and you take a, a, a chapter like Daniel chapter 9 that talks about the tribulation and the end of, end of the world and all the 70 weeks and this and that and the other, you know, and, and you're reading all that, um, it can be confusing. But when someone who knows what's going on and understands it begins to interpret it, it makes it a lot of sense. And when you realize that God prophetically already predicted Jesus coming, when he was going to come, where he was going to be born at, all the things going on, there was no reason why the, Jew, the Jewish uh, rabbinical people of that day, the Pharisees and, and whoever they be, shouldn't have been able to read the scriptures and understand that it was Jesus. They should have been able to run out in the streets when Jesus came walking in Jerusalem in you know, 32 AD and said, this is the Messiah. Because they could have read it in scripture. It was there. It was open. It was obvious. All right? But. Jesus comes on the scene, and I'll read the scripture to you in just a minute, and he says, the rapture of the church, the end of the age, everything's going to come. No man knows. Only one knows is my father, not even the angels know. So if no one knows, then why are we trying to predict the end of the world? Hello? It doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. So let me read you a few scriptures, Luke 21, 24. Jesus talking about the end of the world. The disciples one day went out to the, and, and sat down with Jesus because they were concerned about the end of the world. I was just in San Antonio the other day visiting with some people, and, and, and everybody popped up and said, man, you know, I'm, I'm hearing this stuff. Is it, is it the end of the world? Is it the end of the world coming? Because I'm not, they weren't hearing it from preachers. They are hearing it from other people talking. Everybody's talking about this. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive to all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now, when Jesus came on the face of the earth, the dispensation of the age of grace came in to do one thing, to birth the church. That means all people that could be Jewish, but all people that weren't Jewish, the Gentiles, could come into the church and be saved and know Jesus. 
That's what the dispensation of the age of grace is about. Us coming to Jesus who are not Jewish. Hello? Because the whole Old Testament is about Jewish people. Dealing with Jewish people. And then all of a sudden, thank God, he sent Jesus so that we could be saved. Gentiles. Right? So this whole age, and Jesus says, look, the end of the age isn't going to come until the Gentiles have basically trampled everything. Until the age and the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled. So we're in this dispensation of the age of grace. But it says, until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled, so that until the times means it's going to come to an end. Are you hearing me? It's going to come a day. It's going to come to an end. Now, Matthew chapter 24, I'm not going to get into all this because I don't want to take too much time. 24, 25, you know, all deal with Jesus talking to, to, the, to the, the disciples. But part of that chapter is about what's going to happen to the Jewish people, and part of it's going to happen to the Gentile people. And if you don't divide it rightly, you're going to get really confused. But I just want to take one passage here, 36, Matthew 24, 36. Now, I'm going to go kind of fast today because I want to get through and get to the end of my message. And this is real easy to get off and get off because I've got about four months of studying here and all written down in these notes, and I can just keep going on just a few. But I want to get to the end of this, and then we'll see what the Lord leads me back. But, but that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven. That's what he's talking about, the end of the world. Nor the Son, but only the Father. As it is in the days of Noah, so it be at the coming of the Son of Man. For the days will be... Before the flood, people were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were giving in marriage. Up until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about it, what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the end, of, at the coming of the Son of Man. Now, I want to tell you something. The second thing that's been happening to me is my heart is, is just beating for evangelism. My heart is beating to see people get saved. My, I, I've never been quite so ravenous and, 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 and imploring the Spirit of God to lead me into areas and to lead us as a church into areas that we can start seeing more mass evangelism, okay? And because I read this scripture and I'm like, golly, everybody's sitting around, they're eating and they're drinking, they're having weddings and they're going on and they're doing this and that and the other. And then Jesus comes, it's too late, it's the end. And so my heart's grieving for people that are sitting around right now, worried about things they shouldn't be worried about when they should be worried about their relationship with Jesus. Because that's what this message, I pray, is going to be about, causing people to see their relationship with Jesus, all right? So Jesus says, no one's going to know, and everyone's going to be, but everyone's not going to be prepared, okay? Look at verse 42. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know what day your Lord will come. But understand this, that if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have let his house, not let his house be broken into and so also be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour you're not expecting. I'm crying out to everybody this morning, everybody watching, everybody listening to me here. Listen to me. I don't know when Jesus is coming. All right? But I do know this. We had better be ready at all times. And how are we going to be ready? Let me tell you. How are we going to be ready? We're going to be ready by opening the door of our heart. Just what I said at the first of the service, Revelation 3.20. Opening the door of our heart to Jesus at all times. Having time, taking time out, sitting down, saying, Lord, I love you. And, you know, I don't know much, but teach me. Holy Spirit, my heart's open to you. Help me to understand. You know I hate oh so-and-so over there. Help me not to hate so-and-so. Show me what I need to do to not hate so-and-so. Lord, my body ain't working right. That thing ain't functioning right. I don't know what's going on, but, you know, help me to understand. This is how you get 
a relationship, an intimate relationship with the Lord, because then he tells you. You don't just talk one way, it's got to come back. But the world sitting around eating and drinking and marrying and, 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 and just going on and worried about business and worried about the presidency and worried about this and that and taxes and what are they going to do and capital gains is going to go up and this is going to happen and they're making me wear a stupid mask and this and that and the other going on. When I'm saying I, we better be right with Jesus. We better know that we're right with Jesus because that's the most important thing that can go on. Now let's look over at Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. There's a parable here of the ten virgins, and let me just read this to you. Jesus said, at the, at the time, the kingdom of heaven will be like a ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamp, but they did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in their jars along with the lamp. The bridegroom was going a long time in coming, and they, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. And at midnight, a cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. And all the virgins woke up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones to the wise said, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. And they said, no. They replied, they're not enough for both of us. You instead go to those who sell oil, buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went into him and to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, others also came and said, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. He replied, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. So this parable of the 10 virgins is about us sitting around with our lamps burning, waiting for the Lord. Now, there was a time period. Now, 2000 years have gone by since Jesus came. And a lot of Christians have been waiting always for every day to see if the Lord's coming back. And I'm just saying, now it's not the day to get lax. Now it's not the day to run out of oil. Now it's not the day to not have your lamp trimmed. Now it's not the day to be sitting around playing tiddlywinks when you should be reading the word. Now it's not the day to be messing around. Now it's the day to be serious about the things of God. And you say, well, preacher, what if you're wrong? Huh. I can never be wrong telling you to get in a closer relationship with Jesus. I can never be wrong, no matter how I preach, and compelling you to get deeper and deeper into the things of God. All right? So, but Jesus did tell us something. All right? He did tell us something in Matthew chapter 25, verse 32. He said that no one knows the times, but you can watch out for some things and know you're close. Matthew 24, 32. Now learn the lesson from the fig tree. Now a fig tree is Israel. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you'll know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, the generation will certainly not pass until all these things have passed. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Now, that scripture right there, I, I, I got to go into a few of these things because I don't know where you are or whatever. And so just don't turn me off. Please, dear God, don't turn me off right now. Don't turn me off. Literally, don't turn me off. And just listen to me here. Don't throw anything at me. Don't just say, well, I and get all muffled. Don't let the devil steal this from me. Hear me out today. Hear my case before the court. Okay. A lot of people have dismissed all this because they said, well, what do you mean? Jesus said that, and that generation already passed away. That was 2,000 years ago, and nothing happened. But read this scripture again. It says that when the fig tree, something happens to the fig tree, then when that all that's being done to the fig tree happens, then... When that's done, that generation will not pass away till it's all done. So everybody's been thinking it should have happened 2,000 years ago, but Jesus didn't say that. He said, 
Watch the fig tree. When the fig tree comes into its full blossom and its full bloom and it's doing that, then once the fig tree gets to that place, then start counting the clock. Okay? So what's a generation? There's a lot of dispute about what's a generation. See, what? I, have y'all ever noticed this? If you go on, and it irritates me so much, and I know why they do it, but if you, if you go on, you're going to go buy something on Amazon. And you go to Amazon, you look, and then you go down and you click on the reviews and see if it's any good. Well, you know that they're not going to just put all good reviews up because then they would know that we know that they're cheating, even though we know they're cheating anyway. But, you know, so they put in a few bad ones. And so you end up with a review. Best product ever was. I love this thing. It's the greatest thing. It works so great. Next one. Stupidest thing ever invented on the face of the earth. I can't believe anybody would buy this. What a ripoff. Next one. It is the greatest thing. I love it. I tell all my friends to buy more. Next one over there. Anybody that buys this is a fool. Right? Isn't that what they read like? Maybe I'm being a little extreme, but isn't that what they read like? So you get all this. So then at the end of it, you don't know whether the darn thing's any good or not. Because you're like, you got five reviews says good, five reviews says bad. Okay, so it's kind of like that in biblical prophecy. You got all the, everybody out there throwing out their ideas saying, what's this and what's that? And so some of them, this guy says it, and then the next one says it's no good, and this one says, no, that's not right, and this one says this, and so you get into all this. But let me just say this. Psalms 90, verse 10, I believe Moses told us what a generation is. He says, the days of our lives are 70 years, and by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet, in, it, yet their boast is only in labor and sorrow. It is soon cut off, and we fly away. In other words, he says 70 to 80 years, and if there's more, glory to God, you got it, go for it. But a generation... 70 to 80 years, all right? So then he's saying that when the fig tree gets ripe and like it's supposed to be within 70 to 80 years, you should see me come back. Hello? Y'all just all real quiet. You're making me nervous. Okay? 1948, Israel became a nation. Prior to that, Israel had no nation. So how could the fig tree even have blossomed because there was no nation? There's some food for thought here. Because I really don't believe we're in the last days. I believe we're in the last hours myself. That's Robert Richards. So now, with that being said, I just want to tell you, I'm not saying dates. I'm not saying when. I'm just going to tell you what I believe and see in the scriptures of what the Holy Spirit's showing me that's going to take place as the events on the face of the earth. I can't tell you when. I'd be wrong for... for, for doing that, because Jesus said, hey, nobody knows exactly when. He said, we can go look at the fig tree and what's going on. And he, I can tell you what a generation is, but I can't tell you the date. All right? Go to 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Now, I want you all to hear me out, because some of you all are going to throw in here, because I want to tell you something. 35 years of reading my Bible and going through there, I've always had some questions about this, that, and the other, about end-time events. But after this last four months, it is like, I feel like everything just like inside of me, like putting a puzzle together, you know, when you take the puzzle out and, 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 and you got all the pieces, you can't see what it looks like. You look on the box lid and know what the picture's supposed to look like, but you just got a bunch of pieces. And then all of a sudden you start putting things together and you're like, oh, wait a minute, that's the edge of the house. Oh, look, at this is that. And you start putting it together and boom, the thing appears. That's how I feel in my heart things have done to me. It's like all of a sudden, all the word that I've gotten, all the things over all the years and all the things I've read and all the things I know, all of a sudden it's when it's a, like everything just began to just fit together. And it was just like brought such peace to my heart. And that's what I pray is going to do to you. 
1 Thessalonians 4.13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. This is Apostle Paul talking to the church at Thessalonica, which was a non-Jewish church. Not that they didn't have Jews there, but I'm just saying they weren't Jewish. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Least you sorrow as others have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means proceed those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet Jesus in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So Paul was talking to them, and the, the, you know it must be that the, the, the Thessalonians were saying, you know, when the people that are dead, and what's going on, and what's happening, we're kind of grieved, and we don't have our loved ones with us, and what's going on? And Paul gave them some scripture, some revelation from the word, and he said, Share this with people so they can have comfort. Everybody say comfort. I believe we need comfort today. I believe the world needs comfort today. Because you got to understand something. You good people are sitting here in church. You're hungry for the word of God. You're in the prime place for God to touch you and bless you. But there's a lot of people out there who don't know, come here from Sikkim about Jesus or anything else. And they're in terror right now. They're in fear right now. Either COVID's going to kill them or the, one of the presidents is going to kill them, depending on which <laughs> camp they're from. Okay. And so, you know, I mean, and, 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 and they don't know what's going on in the world. and They know what's going on here. And they hear all these horror stories. And if you go read the news media, I mean, they just keep coming up with other things to kill you. Right. And so anyway, Paul said, comfort one another, these words. And so he talked to them about the rapture of the church. Now, right here, you, we're going to, you're going to start to throw things up in your mind. You're going to start to pop up and say, well, what are you saying? Are you Pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, no-trib. And they start to come up with these things, and everybody starts to throw in what you have tried to, you're talking and you're, whatever. but just listen to me, just hear me out, okay? You notice here that Jesus in the rapture of the church, talking about what Paul's talking about here, does not come to earth. He doesn't put his feet on planet earth. He says he meets us in the clouds. So he doesn't come to earth. So it's not the second return of Christ. Because at the second return of Christ, I'll show you this later, he puts his feet on the Mount of Olives and starts the millennial reign, and he sets up, and he is the, the king ruler. That's the second return of Christ. But in the rapture of the church, he meets us in the air. Now, this is freaky, folks. Listen to me. I'm, I'm just going to tell you. I'm not that big of a flyer. These guys around here, it's got airplanes, you know. They're always trying to get me to go fly with them. But, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not that big of a flyer, but for me to be thinking I'm going to be sitting right here, stand right here, and the next thing I'm going to be 30,000 feet in the air or wherever the cloud, cloud would be that day. I mean, I, I mean, things like this. I mean, what if you're about to take a shower and you got your hair all soaked up? And the next thing you know, you're flying through the air, rubbing your head with soap in your eyes. I don't know. This, this is just kind of crazy. And he said, oh, well, the Lord will take care of that. Everyone will, between here and there, will have the heavenly robe and everything. Will. I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't know. But you're talking about zipping me. I don't even like roller coasters. I can't do, I don't like elevators. And I'm going to go from zero to whatever the cloud would be that day. Right? Okay. But let me ask you, how many of y'all have ever flown in an airplane? 
Okay, so majority of everybody here has flown an airplane. Have you ever had that experience where you're on the ground, you've just gone through the chaos of the terminal, chaos of everything going on in there, and then you get on the plane, and then the plane takes off, and then you're flying, and then all of a sudden you get into the clouds, and you look out the window, you can't see anything, and then you get above the clouds, and you realize there's another world up there? And especially on the day when they're the big fluffy ones, have y'all experienced this? Can you shake me some heads here and show, wave some hands at me. Let me know that I'm not just talking crazy. And you crest out over that, you know, like the plane comes out and then you, you see the wings come out and then you're up there and there's another world and there's, there's this, this beauty and it's the skies, you know, like down below it could be drizzly and uh, ugly. And then you're up there and it's just like the sun shining and it's just beautiful. And, and now can you imagine that is the staging point for the rapture of the church that all believers in Jesus dead and alive on earth that have died since the dispensation of the age of grace took place, end up out of the graves, blown out of the graves, flying up with all of us to that spot. But what a great meeting spot. What a great meeting spot to be right there with Jesus. Just Now, 1 Corinthians 15, 50. I'm just going to tell you what it says because I'm running out of time. Lord, I'm not getting anywhere. You're going to have to help me here, Lord. Man, how did the time go? Okay, it says that we're going to get a new body. So somewhere between here and there, you get a new body. You get a new earth, you get rid of this earth suit, and you get a heavenly body that never dies, never gets sick. I don't know, gains weight, but I doubt it, right? You get a, you get a new, new body. So, okay, we're talking some freaky stuff here. You're going from zero to whatever, and, and then you get a new body. But man, you're like Superman or Wonder Woman. You never die again. You never get sick again. You'll see all your friends. You'll be able to dance a jig like you ain't never danced a jig on a big old fluffy cloud. This is what Jesus said was an event going to take place on this earth at the moment when the Father, just like the ten virgins, rises up and said, now's the time. Boom! This is going to take place. And Paul said, Y'all think about these things because it'll bring you comfort and peace. Think about these things because it's going to bring you comfort and peace. All right? Now, go to 1 Thessalonians 5.9. You need to get this scripture in your heart today. Y'all still with me? I hadn't lost you. Okay. Hang on. 1 Thessalonians 5.9. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or we sleep, we should live together with him. Okay. There's many other scriptures, but I'm cutting, I'm reducing my message and going fast. I'll get you the rest of the scriptures. But 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 says, we are not appointed to the wrath of God. I have a hard time believing that if the tribulation start, if the tribulation, if the rapture doesn't take place until the tribulation starts, why, when the tribulation comes, it's the event on the earth to pour out the wrath of God upon mankind. And if I'm delivered from the wrath, then why would I not be out before the wrath came? So what I'm saying to you is I believe the rapture takes place. Boom! All godly people from Jesus' uh, resurrection till now, boom, in the clouds with him, going on to heaven. And then that starts the next event, the tribulation on the face of this earth. Now, this is not like hard times. Like we're in a drought right now, and it, things are hard, and animals are hurting. And did y'all realize there was no acorns this year? Huh? 
All the animals out there that always depend on acorns, got no acorns this year. It's, it's put animals into, into situations. There's, there's hardship upon our land. We ain't seen nothing like we're talking about the tribulation. You got to understand, tribulation is not you're mad because the president lost or your president won. I still have hope. Anyway. Anyway. We're talking about, we're talking about the, something that is unbelievable, something that is so horrible, horrific, it, 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 it can't even describe. You're talking about, I know there, I've never watched it, and I'll never watch it, but there was a movie called The Purge where, where people just at one day of the year could go crazy and just kill anybody and nobody got, 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 uh, uh, got any, you know, no law sentence against it or anything. It was just over there. You're talking about worse than The Purge. You're talking about horrible, most horrific, horrendous things. If you just go read through the book of Revelations, you don't want to be here. Okay? But I'm saying that if your heart's right with Jesus and, you're, and you know you're right with him, the rapture takes place, you're out, you're in heaven. Then that starts the tribulation. And when the tribulation starts, it's going to last for seven years. Now, but during those seven years, I want to show you something. During those seven years that the tribulation starts, go to Matthew 5.13. Let me show you something. Matthew 5.13 says, you're the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and to trample underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city is set on a hill cannot be hidden. If you're the salt and the light of this world and the rapture of the church takes place, then the preservative is gone and the exposure is gone. If you want to know, if you want to know what it's like to be... Um, to, 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 to have, to be a, pres, a preservative or to have people look at you strangely, just be a preacher and walk into some place where everybody was doing something that they shouldn't have been doing. That's why I'm not invited to many parties and not things go on. People don't want the preacher. I'm a killjoy. Everybody's wanting to have a party and then I show up and I was like, oh God, the preacher's here. All right. Now imagine that the whole preservative on the face of this earth, the whole salt and light of this earth, you with the Holy Spirit in you trying to live for Jesus, going to church, saying, God bless you. I'll see you later. Oh, praise God. That's God. God bless you. Are you okay? Do I need to pray for you? All of that gone. Yeah, that's tribulation. The tribulation is going to happen when you're out of here. And the, and the Bible says there's going to be a falling away. The falling away takes place after the after the rapture of the church, because you're gone. So people are going to fall away. There ain't nobody to hold you, hold them to any moral standard. Listen to me. You're seeing this taking place on the face of the earth right now. They want us to shut churches down and go to your homes and be quiet so they can do what they want to do. Oh, Robert. Let me just throw something at you. How many... Mrs. Coward, you're probably the oldest person in here this morning. I don't mean that as a bad thing, but you probably are. Or we're going to call you. How, how many years have you heard the New World Order? 50 years? Have you heard the New World Order in 50 years? Like 50 years back? 50 years. People have been talking about the New World Order. But do you realize that's what's going on right now, folks? Do you realize that, that people are a new world order? Do you realize that not since the Tower of Babel 
Has the, the world come under one, the CDC? But I'm saying this is not something brand new. Why? Because the devil always has a fake and imitation of what the real thing is. There is going to be a one world order, and it's going to be Jesus ruling it from Jerusalem, standing on the Mount of Olives, saying, I am king. So what does the devil want to do? He wants to get his little planet, so he gets his little minions, and they try to create a one world order. But I want to tell you something. You listen to me, everybody out there. It ain't going to be good for you. You think it's going to be good for you? It's not going to be good for you because it's setting up the events to take place to bring about the tribulation on the face of the earth, and it ain't going to be good. They say, oh, this is going to be great. We, can, we know how to do socialism better now. We understand communism. It's not going to be like the, the Chinese communist or the Russian communist or anything. No, no, no. We got it down. It's going to be okay. Bull. It's the same thing always. Somebody rules, everybody else suffers. What I wanted to shake people, just shake them to their teeth fall out and say, do you not understand? This is not for you. I hate to tell you this morning, but government is not for you. They do some good on the outline, but they're not for your benefit. They want to tax you, take your money, and put you down. I'm sorry. It's just the truth. I'm not. It's just the truth. Wake up. The devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus. Jesus wants to bring life. And life more abundantly. That's why I'm saying you got to get right with Jesus. I'm not worried about getting right with the government. I can't get right with the government if they don't have laws that will agree with the word of God. I'm not backing off the word. So if I'm not going to back off the word, they either get in agreement with me or I can't be in agreement with them. I'm sorry. There's no other choice for me. I don't have a choice. When I came into the ministry, unwilling to pastor, the Lord said, okay, spoke to me very sweetly. The tender voice of Jesus spoke to me so very tenderly. He did. He said, okay. I mean, it was soft. It was sweet. It was okay. He said, uh, this is the deal I'll make with you. I'll make it with you, Robert, if you want it. Uh, Isaiah 120 is your scripture. And if you want it, that's fine. I said, Isaiah 120, Isaiah 120. Isaiah 120 says, uh, 19 and 20. If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. And I said, what choice is that? That's no choice, Lord. I either do it what you want me to do, or I'm going to get devoured by the sword. And I told my wife, I said, that's, our, that's what he told me. I get Isaiah 119 and 20. Well, I didn't get the one. Oh, the thoughts I think of you are many and beautiful. I get Isaiah 119 and 20. But what I'm saying to the world today is, here it is. It's either, th it's either this or get devoured by the sword because there's nothing else there. It's, this is the truth. I can't get off of it, all right? Well, the events that are going to take place when the rapture of the church is out of here and there's no more people like us standing around preaching, telling people, well, then the salt and the light's gone. Well, then the only thing left is for the great falling away because everybody's going to fall away because it's starting the tribulation because... We're not here, and it's the day that the devil is kind of jumping up for seven years, jumping up and down, saying he's chief. All right? Now, I'm putting this real simple because I got I to hurry because I want to get to this part. Meanwhile, now, I'm, not, I'm getting off the tribulation right now. All right? Seven years on this earth, tribulation. The devil's ruling, 
Seals are being broken. Bowls are being poured out. This is happening. That's happening to all the people left on earth. But we're in heaven. Everybody say, I'm in heaven. Everybody out there say, I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven. Say it again, I'm in heaven. We're sitting there with Jesus in our new glorified bodies. No sore muscles. No wondering what you did yesterday that makes something hurt. Like the other day, I, I hugged my wife and I was like, oh. And she said, what? I said, I don't know, I'm so sore right here. And she said, what'd you do? I said, I have no idea. Just got bruised muscle right here. I don't know what I did. Probably just like, you know, swatted a fly. Now I've got a bruise, you know what I mean? <laughs> Stupid. But anyway, meanwhile, we're in heaven. Okay? We're in heaven. And so what are we going to be doing in heaven? Right? Okay, because you just got raptured. You're in your new glorified body. The rapture of the church is taking place. You're up there. Listen, what goes on in heaven after this message this is the reason why I'm trying to hurry up. Because after I tell you these few things, I don't care what's going on on earth. I don't mean to be ugly. I don't want to divide it all out. I don't care what bowl got broke, what's what sealed, and whose horse is riding on doing what. I'm in heaven. And so what's going on earth don't really make me no difference. Now, we... You know, people want to pull it out and say, no, and this seal's broken. That's here. I'm not here. They didn't make it. Deal with it. But according to John chapter 14, verse 1, we will be checking in. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. Uh, same words I'm speaking here. And, and I'll go where I go, you know, and the way you know. So you've all been to hotels. You've all been in. You've checked in. Well, I guess we got to check in. I don't know how the check-in in heaven works, but he has a mansion for you, and somebody's got to get you checked in. Now, this is crazy. I want to tell you, this is when I saw this in the scriptures, I just said, holy cow, we only have our mansions in heaven for seven years. Only seven years. He's building you a mansion that's to your delight, the greatest, the most delightful thing that just spits right to your personality, just who you are to bless you, but it's only for seven years. Then he's got something better. So we're checking in. Can you imagine the checking in heaven? I want y'all to get this thing. Think about, listen, when things are going south and things look bad, start thinking about check, the check-in in heaven. We're all sitting around with our glorified bodies. <laughs> checking in. Get them all sorted out. All right? So then we just get checked in. Everybody's got their luggage put up or whatever, you know. I doubt we have any luggage, but whatever. You've looked at your mansion, seen if it's full of Captain Crunch. When I was a kid, I loved Captain Crunch. Man, I loved Captain Crunch. I loved it so much. And then as I got older, I found out it wasn't good for me, so I quit eating Captain Crunch. And to this day, I still want Captain Crunch. I haven't eaten any Captain Crunch in, you know, 50 years, 40 years. But I, I tell you, I want it. I see it. <sighs> Captain Crunch. <laughs> so I pray there's a cupboard full of Captain Crunch in my, my mansion. But I'm going to eat it because I can't get any weight. It ain't going to hurt me. It's going to taste good. Anyway, own, own, onward, Robert. So then 2 Corinthians 5, 9 is, this, is the next thing that's going to take place in heaven. We've all checked in, and then it says, Therefore make it our aim, whether to be present or absent, we will be well-pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So then there's going to be this, this time, this judgment seat of Christ. In other words, all the works that you've done, you can also look at 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 11, 
talks about your works are going to go before God. They're going to they're going to go before. I don't know how this goes off. I don't know if it's a big amphitheater with a big DVD player and a, a conveyor belt of works. I have no idea. But I just know that we as Christians are going to be judged. Now, that could be good. That could be bad. But you know what? I'm in heaven. I don't care. I made it. I'm in the door. I'm in the house. I got my mansion. I'm with Jesus. If I, something I did and said, Robert, that whole thing you were doing over here, it was nothing. It goes, burns up. I say, sorry, Lord. But I'm in heaven. I'll turn around and high five somebody. I'm in heaven. <laughs> I made it. Are y'all with me? Do you, I, I don't care if I'm in the lowliest position in heaven. I'm not going to be sitting there saying, oh, come on. I want this one to get because I need that 100 points because then I want to get that other jewel on my crown. I don't care. It says we all take the crowns off and cast them at the feet of Jesus. So, I mean, whatever. He's king. I'm just glad I'm there. Right? But they're all going to be judged. That's the next thing I'll take. You check in. The rapture takes place. You get to heaven. You check in. And then there's going to be the, the judgment seat of Christ. Okay? It's going to judge the intentions of our heart and all that. Then, according to Revelations 19.7, there's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb sit down because Jesus has got his bride. We're his bride that's coming to him. The marriage supper is going to sit down. We're going to sit down with Jesus. I guess we eat lamb. I don't know. But Jesus said he isn't going to eat, he isn't going to drink any wine or, or, or until the day that we all get there. So, that, I mean, it must be a party. I don't think you're going to get to heaven in your glorified body and take a sip and say, oh, gosh, it's got alcohol in it. Lord, do you have any grape juice? I mean, no, we don't want this. I think you're going to drink it, shut up and be quiet. Enjoy it, right? You're in heaven. Everybody say I'm in heaven. As long as you're in heaven, you ain't going to have to worry about anything, right? So Ephesians 5, 25, and it's throwing out these scriptures because I'm running out of time here. You know, it talks about Jesus and, and his bride and coming down. And, and being together. Okay, so we're there for seven years. We're there for seven years in heaven with Jesus. And then it's the end of the tribulation. And then Jesus comes back. Now, this is my favorite scripture in the Bible. Revelations 19, 11 through 16. All right, it's, my, it's the event that, I, that brings a happiness and a smile on my face just to even see it and read it. It says in, in verse 11, now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness and he judges and makes war. His eyes like a flame of fire, and on his head were the many crowns. He had his name written, and no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed with fine linen, white and clean, that's us, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth he goes a sharp sword. So here's an event. You can go read it more. But, but it says that we're coming back with Jesus when he's getting on the white horse and we're going to get on white horses. So just imagine this. I mean, again, I'm trying to think of like if you've ever been to a resort and just to imagine to try to get everybody organized and out to the stable. I don't know how this event, I'm thinking Jesus uses translation, you know, like Everybody's not going to be, everybody's going to be gazing around over here. Golly, look at that. When they should be getting up on their horses, he's just going to, and then you're like, oh, I'm at the horse. Because <laughs> how else are you going to hurt us around? I don't know. But that's just Robert thinking, which is, I'm sure, short-sighted. But there's this event going to take place. Listen to me. I'm telling you, listen to me. Your age doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you've ever rode or not. You're going to saddle up on a white horse. Man, you're going to grab hair and sink spur and leap right off of heaven coming back down to earth. Wow! That's going to be one jump, folks. 
I mean, you better hold on. And for those of you that have ever ridden before, you know, you know, it depends on a horse. There's some horses good and some horses not so good. I used to have this horse. You could feel every part of his body tense up when he was about to leap over something. And you better hang on because, I mean, this dude always overjumped everything. He like could have just took a little hop and he was like leaping horse and you better have hold of something. But it's going to be cool. What I'm telling you, folks, listen to me today. Uh, we don't have a lot to worry about, except if we're right with Jesus. I don't know when this event's going to happen. It may be tomorrow, or it may not be in your lifetime, but I, I really believe it's close when I look at the signs, but I'm not going to say a date, and I'm not going to say what close is. I don't know if I'm going to make it in my lifetime or not. I, 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 I want to because, you know, that's going to be pretty cool. But I'm telling you, I don't believe it's far off because I see the signs of the times. And I'm telling you, Jesus, I know he's ready for his bride. And all the father has to do is say, now. And, and then the whole world starts out. Folks, we're coming back to reign with Jesus on this earth for a thousand years. You're going to have jobs to do on this earth for a thousand years. You're going to be doing stuff. We're not going to be sitting around playing harps and eating grapes. Okay? You're going to be doing things. We're going to be ruling in this world with him for a thousand years. And, and I, I can't go into all this, but the devil's going to be locked up for a thousand years during the millennial reign. It's going to be strange because there's going to be people that maybe survived the tribulation still going to be left alive. We're going to be walking around glorified bodies. We can eat six dozen Dunkin' Donuts and they can't eat but one. Okay, man, we, 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 it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird, but we're, you ain't going to die. Okay, you ain't going to die. And we're going to rule and reign with Jesus. I uh, man, you think, you think, whoo, man, I'm telling you what, if I've got my glorified body on, nobody better say nothing to me. If they just a plain old person, I say, man, you, do you really want a piece of me? I mean, because, man, I'm, I'm unstoppable. So I don't know how that relationship works, but we're going to be down here with him for a thousand years. At the end of a thousand years, the devil gets loose. And at the end of a thousand years, the armies, he gathers what idiots are left on the face of the earth. They will come against Jesus and us. And there's a big war and it's all over with and they're gone. Poop, and that's it. And then judgment seat of Christ. I mean, the great white throne judgment and all the dead in the world, every, all the dead that ever died before is going to rise up. They're going to go before the great white throne judgment. You do not want to be at the great white throne judgment, great white throne judgment. There's no way out. And then the new Jerusalem comes down and this whole world's changed and this whole world, you lose your mansion in heaven and you get your new mansion in the new Jerusalem. That's what these events are going to take place. But what I'm telling you here today, and I'm telling everyone out there watching, you better know that your heart's right with God. And there's no way to know that your heart's right with God except through Jesus Christ. We have got to get out of this sense of, uh, uh, well, so-and-so, he's a good person. He's got a good moral. He's got a good moral. No, it's not about good morals. It's not about, you know, all the puppies you rescued in life. I'm sorry, that's, you know, that's good, but I'm, that's not going to get you to heaven. The only thing that can get you to heaven is a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the only way that can take place is you have to confess out of your mouth. You can't think it in your head. You confess out of your mouth, Jesus, I believe in you. I want you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash them away. I believe you're the son of God. Save me. Then, if you meant that from your heart, the spirit of God will come into you and salvation will come unto you. Your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life and you will be put on the register for the space shuttle shot from earth to 
clouds. Your mansion will be prepared and everything I spoke of in this message will be yours. Be yours. But if you're not, if you're sitting out there saying, well, I don't believe that's true. I don't know if God will. I don't think God's going to do something like that. I think God's going to make it everything. Listen to me. I'm telling you, you're wrong. All you have to do is read the Bible, the inspired word of God. I don't care what translation it is. It all comes out this way. Quit arguing with him. Quit sitting around saying, that's what's going on today. Folks, listen to me. The reason why we have this huge split in our country is because there's people sitting around saying, I want to do what I want to do, and I don't want you to tell me I can't do what I want to do. So I want to get the government to go in there and change the morality issues out there so I can do what I want to do and feel good about it. And I'm saying there's only one law. It's right here. And if you break it, there is no government that can say it's okay. You're still going to have to face God. Now, I don't believe in God. Are you sure? Let me ask you a question. You want to take that chance? Because I know, I know he's real. And I know I'm looking at a lot of people sitting in here that know Jesus is real too. But folks, we have got to get out and get up on our soapboxes and preach like we have never preached before. We have got to get hold of our friends, our relatives, our relationships, our associates, people that we're working with in business, and we have got to jump up and down and just make sure they know Jesus and they're ready for the rapture of the church. They say, well, I don't know. That rapture stuff's just too much for me. I just don't know if I can believe that. I just don't know that. You still better get right with God. You can be a person out there saying, I think we're going through the tribulation. I believe there is no tribulation. I don't believe there's no rapture. We're going, all going to go through the tribulation. Well, God bless you. You can stay here if you want to. I'm out on the first boatload. And if I'm wrong, hey, if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, then when we're in the middle of the tribulation, you can just jump all over me. But if you're looking around for me, you ain't going to find me. And if you're going through it, you didn't make the first load. Now, I believe that there's an opportunity now, if the Holy Spirit leads him back into there, that during the tribulation, there can be people saved. But, boy, it ain't going to be good. All right? It ain't going to be good. You don't want to be there. So, I want to ask you all this, everyone to stand up if you would. And I want to ask a prayer team, please come down. And I'm just telling you this morning, church, listen, this is not days to play around. I'm feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit right now to just stay on y'all. These people are up here to pray with you. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm trying to save you from the tribulation. I'm trying to save you from the wrath of God. I'm trying to save you to go to heaven with us. So if you're out there watching, I told you what to do. You've got to call upon the name of Jesus right there in your home, right where you are. Fall on your knees. Ask Jesus to come into your life. And he'll be there for you, asking to forgive your sins. If you're in this building today and you're not sure if the rapture was going to take it, if I, could, if I had a countdown, just like we did the, the, the start of the service, and it was just getting ready to count down, you're seeing the clock going, and you're seeing the numbers going off. When it's there, are you fully assured inside of your heart you're going? If you're not, you need to come up and pray with these people. You need to give your heart to Jesus today. You need to get, make sure that you know 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 that you're going to heaven with him. Amen. If you're not, don't worry. Get up here. Don't let anything. If you if you don't know, if you're not sure, you just want somebody to pray. Turn to the person beside you and say, will you go up there and pray with me? Because I want to tell you something you need to know for sure. And I am not going to be the pastor. I don't want to get up there and say, where's old so-and-so? 
Hello? So, look at the person beside you right there and say, are you sure you're ready to go? Now I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to bless the food, and I'm going to, I'm going to do the whole nine yards. If you're a guest today with us, or, or you've just been coming to church for just a little while, and you didn't know that we had uh, the, the dinner on the grounds today, we, please stay. There's always enough food. God always blesses, and there's always enough food. Matter of fact, if you haven't been here uh, in church for very long, um, and let me see, that's going to get me in trouble. Uh, you get to go to the first of the line. You have the right to push your way in. I grace you today with the right to just push your way to the front of the line and say, uh, I'm new here. And you say, everybody else back off and say, well, come on. How about that? So I'm going to pray for you now. And don't leave this building if you're not ready for the rapture of the church to take place. Because it could be tomorrow. It could be before you get the bite of food in your mouth. So, Father, right now I ask you to touch everybody's heart here. Holy Spirit, I ask you to go and convict every person watching this program, listening and hearing this program, hearing what's going on, all the ones that are in here today, Lord. I pray for the conviction, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to be upon us. And Lord, that we know that we're right with you. And Lord, I also pray that it stays on us, that everywhere we go, that people are convicted of their sin and they throw that sin to the ground and run to Jesus so that they, Lord, can be caught up in the rapture of the church. So, Lord, I ask you to just bless and just move amongst us. Even today, Lord, as we have dinner on the grounds and we sit and we fellowship with one another, that, Lord, anybody who's not sure about things gets right today. So, Lord, I praise you for it. Bless them today. Bless this food. Bless thy hands that prepared it. Lord, I thank you that no sickness and disease can be in our midst because, Lord, you're in our midst. Lord, you're in our midst. So bless it, and Lord, we thank you for it, and we look so forward to your coming. Thank you, Jesus, for rescuing us and delivering us, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.